Today's edition of El Politico is recorded on Thursday the 6th of October at 11.50am. Terms and conditions may have applied and changed since this episode has been recorded. Thomas, over to you. Yeah, great to be back. Um, it's a bit like the sequel to Terminator, really, isn't it? Which was the best movie or which was the best sequel? I think it's split between the second and the third one. Some think it's the second, some think it's the third. Anyway, either way. Um, Is that an uh, allusion to um, uh, Boris Johnson saying, perhaps <laughs> I'll be back? Uh, a, topic we're, a topic we're going to get into. More like uh, Donald <laughs> Trump. Uh, uh, well, yes. you, 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 instead of one, you could have two. Uh, but uh, anyway, listen, Tom, uh, from a personal note, it's nice to see you again after the summer. <laughs> it's uh, been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife was saying that the other day as well. Yeah, yeah he's back. Exactly. And uh, so, so summer is over. Uh, politics is back up and running. Uh, lots of ha- has happened. And our political anorak guru and top man analysis, <laughs> Paul Bogner, oh, is also here with us as well. So, Paul. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome, uh, Luke. It's, a, it's, a it's great to be in studio again, by the way. Exactly, yeah. And hopefully we'll sound a little bit um, uh, smoother than what we have for about the last two and a half years. But now I'm going, we, we've so much we could talk about, but I'm going to start uh, the que- the question today. Uh, I'm going to raise a, a level uh, to you, and it's basically going to be along the lines of uh, what does M people... Benny Hill and Mastermind have in common? Judging by the stunt side we of should, the two people beside here, you, know, um, you haven't much of an idea. We should have that. We should have the uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Can we go at A, B, C or D? And take take away two. Do you want to go 50-50? Come on, Paul. I, 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 I can go. I, I, um, okay, we're starting today on the UK. Yes. Right. I can... Two out of the three of those, I think I can have a stab at. Yeah. Um, M People, Moving On Up, um, was the song that was used by Liz Truss to waltz out onto the stage to deliver her um, party conference speech yesterday. And that's why he's the guru. <laughs> the lyrics of Moving On Up are brilliant. <laughs> You'll get to the, I'm sure I, I, you have them, Luke. We're, we're going to get into it, and we're going to get into it by the man that actually wrote the song, okay. which would be even better. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Um... Benny Hill, there's a guy outside the conference, Steve Bray, if people who are anarchically watching UK politics will have seen him outside the Palace of Westminster. And he kind of plays a lot of loud music to make his point about the UK should be back in the EU. He's he's a, a character, to say the least. Absolutely. He, he, um, he'd, he'd be like a, a smooth version of the Healy Rays, yeah, is yeah, how yeah, I describe yeah. him. He dresses up in e, e, the EU colours with a top hat and a kind of a John Bull kind of morning coat, that type of thing. He continues in Birmingham this week, as he has done in Westminster, to play the theme tune from Benny, Benny, Benny Hill, the Benny Hill show that we're all so familiar with in the 70s and 80s. And it does look very incongruous when you see, you know, the, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the Prime Minister, the Home Secretary make, doing an interview with the Benny Hill music in the background. It just shows you the absurdity, yeah. perhaps, of where it is that we are. The Mastermind one has me kind of flummoxed, Luke. The only thing I can think of, and I don't think this is right, are the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Quasi Quarteng, is um, or has been was the one university challenge that show that you often see that quiz show as a student 
on two occasions. He made a bit of history by using the F word, I think, on it back in around right. was it 2005. But now, no, no. So it's, it's not. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's that not was, that. It's no, not, no, 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 the mastermind sorry. one. I don't. Yeah. I don't get. It, or I can't it, get. It, it, I can't get that. It, it's a very deep dive, right? Okay. But, but it's from a person that. Uh, would say I sort of admired in the wrong a long time ago, and uh, you put me on the right track in relation to him. But our, our good friend Michael Gove. No, we'll talk about it, we'll talk we'll talk about him uh, shortly yes. as well. But we've about five minutes of audio where we're we're going to sort of um, talk about uh, certain things in England over the last number of months. We're going to skip over a few things and then we'll come back to them, okay? So just stand by for this little bit of audio now. And, and you, you, the thing is, I'll need you to pay attention, okay? Okay. okay. So, uh, and then all will be explained. And the listeners. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Prime Minister, you've been in power for 28 days, but 10 of those politics was paused. In 18 days then, you announced £45 billion of tax cuts without setting a fiscal framework. It precipitated a £65 billion emergency bond buying programme by the Bank of England to protect pension funds. The pound tanked. A thousand mortgage deals withdrawn from the markets as interest rate rates expectations spiked. You established a 33-point lead for Labour in the polls. And now the lady not for turning has announced a massive U-turn on a policy. This is surely the worst start of any Prime Minister. If your USP has been about your strength, your determination, your refusal to give in to pressure from other circles. And, and you, obstacle number one, first big test. You, you do that. It. Then it makes people ask, what are you for? Yeah, and she's in a very vulnerable position now because I think that people will say, we own you now. Sorry, we've pulled your lead and you've had to follow us. You're not in command, we're in command. I mean, the reality is these are uncosted estimates and they just don't look credible. So the question is, if, you, if you're the Chancellor of the Exchequer and what you've done is you've stood up and you've crashed the markets, you've crashed the bond market, you've crashed the foreign exchange market, the stock market's dropped, the housing market's in trouble, and you created a giant recession because the Bank of England has to raise rates. Um, your credibility is, is completely trashed. And what's the Prime Minister going to say? Well, at the moment, she appears to be hiding. But the questions that journalists like you and Ian King and everybody else and, and Ed Conway and others are going to ask is, so what are you going to do? It's all completely failed, hasn't it? They told you it was going to fail, and it has. Now what are you going to do? And obviously, the question then is, politically, does she survive the month? Does she actually get to? And does he get to this statement in two months' time? Because presumably, politically... They've created a disaster, and you'll, um, is there even an issue? Could you actually get this through the House of Commons? Unclear. I have never seen anything like this. I've been an economist for 50 years. I went through the Great Recession. I have never seen such raging incompetence ever. OK, uh, a stark assessment. When I saw it, I was A, shocked, because we hadn't been asked, and B, appalled, because one of the worst prime ministers in the history of for British politics is use my song to walk on a stage at a terrible convention uh, full of people that I have no respect for. Well the, well, the ironic thing about this song 
is if she'd have played the rest of the song apart from the um, the chorus, she'd have said, you know, it's um, you've done me wrong, your time is up, you took a sip from the devil's cup. Um, you broke my heart, there's no way back, move on out of here, go and pack your bags. I think that's the bit she should have played, that's the bit that the people of Britain would support. I'm from the north of England, I don't want my song, uh, and it grew, it grew out of Manchester, you know, and the, the whole scene there, the Hassian, I don't want my song associated with a party that can't even run trains up to uh, Manchester, you know, and, you know, treat people in the north. You know, the whole of the hospitality industry at the moment is in pieces because of what they've been through. They've done nothing to help that industry, nothing at all. They just ignore everyone else and they, they, they just want rich people to get richer and everyone else they don't care about. They think we're oiks anyway. Well, there's only right, said Fred, who supports them, so she could have come on to I'm Too Sexy for my shirt, you know. <laughs> Or, or the funeral march, you know, one of the two. ...come the whole conversation about the conference when there is so much else going on. Decisions have to be made quickly. There's no point in faffing around. But why? Is the policy wrong? Was the policy wrong ten days ago? Why have you changed? Some good policies have a bad time. Do you remember that game Mastermind where you would put a white thing in if it was the right colour but in the wrong place and if I remember rightly a black one if it was in the right colour and the right place and you had to get it all right before you ran out of spaces and politics is like that. Sometimes you have the right colour but in the wrong space and therefore you have to move it a space. I've got to say you make it sound like it's a game. No it's and, not a game, well, it's no, You just serious. use the analogy of a game when this is people's mortgages, people's savings. To those waiting with bated breath for that favourite media catchphrase, the U-turn, I have only one thing to say. You turn if you want to. <laughs> the ladies not for turning. <laughs> now, a few various clips there. We finish up Excellent. with the Iron Lady, I think, who Liz Truss has probably tried to emulate, but uh, I, I think we could say that she's no Iron Lady. And before I uh, sort of move on with things I just want to thank the following people that contributed to that uh, selection uh, uh, Mike Pickering uh, the leader of M People uh, was talking there as well about a song Emily Maitlis and John Sopel who uh, used to have a fabulous uh, podcast we'll say when they were with the BBC now have an even better one which is mainly UK orientated at the minute but they do other stuff as well uh, called the News Agent so uh, along with ourselves and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll say uh, uh, the rest is politics. We said, two good shows to listen mm -hmm. to. Well worth listening. Beth Rigby of Sky uh, News. And the man that was talking about economics that said he was an economist for 50 years is the ex-governor of the Bank of England. Mark Carney. Yeah. yeah. Canadian. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we've just had a selection there of various bits and pieces in relation to wh where where we've uh, been, where we've gone to. And I, I think my mastermind joke sort of fell flat because obviously uh, ye hadn't a clue what I was talking about. Oh there no, were, that's were, red meat. Don't there, worry about it, Luke. <laughs> there was a game when we were growing up, which was mastermind. And it's like you had, you had uh, all these little pegs that you uh, go in rows and you, you you had a code and we said there was a little uh, brown, there was a brown board and I, I, I had a little... Um, 
would say I was covered here and basically then I put a sort of black, white, red or it's black, like white, ships. black, white, that, uh, which is like a variation of okay. battleships. And then you had to guess which was which. So you would sort of start putting the pegs in, in, in the hold and guessing. And then you'd get one right and I'd have to sort of give you a tick to say you got that right. Okay. And then to go on like that. But I, don't I, know. I think it's the same premise on, on a lot of games. There's a Disney game as well with characters that's done in, in exactly the same way where you try and guess what the Disney character it's, is. It's That's fine if Jacob yeah. Rees-Mogg is we're, making we're, that we're, point. We're, we're all yeah. over the half century, lads. You should have got it. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, I was <laughs> focused on Mastermind. The, um, oh, the, so was I. The quiz yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, I apologize. Anyway, okay. anyway can I, b- very good. B- before we all get started, can I just say, compared to Liz Trust, that was a great start to the show, Luke, I Excellent. thought. Yeah, because really I've been away from, from everything for so long, and all I hear is, uh, like, will Liz Trust survive? Will, and mm. I'm like, she's only, she's only, mm. how, how do you? And I didn't get any of the detail behind why the comments of, is this new prime minister going to survive? And mm. I said, she's only in a wet week in the office. So now I can see why. Mm. Well, well, you had the scenario where after all the sort of huffing and puffing over the summer and, you know, the question is, A, would Boris actually leave or would he sort of find a way to come back? And you got the scenario where the votes finally came in. And Paul, going off what the media had been saying, she didn't win it by as mm. much as uh, yeah. everybody thought she was going to win it by. Mm. If, if you go back to the start of it I know I've got a week is a long time in politics a summer is an absolute eternity in politics Boris Johnson now feels for now like totally old news and he, he bookended your piece there your excellent piece there Luke initially when he was forced out at, at the beginning of the summer um, the process in the, in the Conservative Party is to nominate or produce two people from the Parliamentary Party and, to, I suppose, I suppose, and that's, those yeah, two people I, I, are then voted on by the membership of the Conservative Party. Yeah, I suppose Party. we should say that uh, there has been a change in leader in the government, uh, but there hasn't been uh, an election for a change of party. Yeah. And this is what, the third time in exactly. six, six, five, uh, six years yeah. that it's happened? Theresa May, you had David Cameron to Theresa May, Theresa May to Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson to yeah, Liz Truss. So uh, sorry, yeah, work away now, Paul. So you start out then, and just to refresh people's memory, Rishi Sunak, the outgoing at the time Chancellor of the Exchequer, was comfortably ahead in the polling as they went through the MPs consistently and comfortably ahead. In the initial stages, Liz Truss was back in third or fourth place. Penny Mordaunt, um, who was a former Secretary of State for Defence, um, initially showed very strongly and she was in second place. Then you had the current Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, who was the outgoing Attorney General. She was showing strongly. Uh, a young politician, Kimmy Badenoch, um, a, of Nigerian um, descent from London was showing strongly. Badenoch and Braverman will be from the right of the party. Braverman from the extreme right of the party, the ERG, the headbangers dealing with Brexit, those type of people. So you see, as, as so you have five, we'll say, start. So one person keeps getting put out. You know, so then you have four. So then you distribute all your votes again. So then you have three, and then you and you finally come to two. So in the process there the rearranging of those chairs, Liz Truss managed to overtake Penny Mordaunt. And in the end, it presented as Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. Mordaunt didn't get over the line. She came in in third place. So Braverman, Badenoch, Tom Tugendhat, you might, these yes. names, they all, in some format, this is politics, they traded, or their supporters traded their votes for some reasons as you went along. The most obvious one would appear to be the Braverman one, which was a significant one. It was the fourth to third place one. Braverman's votes transferred hugely 
to Liz Truss and allowed her to get over Penny Mordaunt and get on that final ballot. Ipso facto, Suella Braverman, her payment is she has the third powerful, third most powerful position in the British Cabinet. She's Home Secretary. So that's how politics like that works. So now you've got your two candidates for the summer. You've got Rishi Sunak and you've got Liz Truss. And they Tom, go out there Tom, and try Tom, and get the Tom votes. Tom is looking a little members. bit um, forlorn there. Tom, it's a bit like the X Factor, I think, would be the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. No, no I, I, I'm following Paul um, very well. I'm just You're still w- forlorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know what I'm going to say in a couple of minutes when he gets to the, to the kind of the crossroads of where I'm going to jump in, okay. but I'm not quite okay. there yet. Right. So okay. Okay. No, 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 okay. yeah. absolutely, okay. 100%. Do you okay. understand the concept? Totally. Okay. Okay, so we've come through the, the parliamentary process, the Westminster process. The 350-odd MPs have decided, well, we want Rishi Sunak but, and we but want But it's Liz a party Trust. process, Paul. It's not, It's not. we'll say, that where the country went to the polls and decided oh, no. we were going to elect no, no, the no, we, we can get to that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that that's, that's, we can get to that. You know, the basis of this government is the 2019 manifesto, which was led by Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings. That's the basis of how it is that they were overwhelmingly, in a lot of ways, selected to, to lead the country with a 1980s um, yeah, majority. Yeah. So that's your basis for our government. It's just that we changed the government, we changed the participants in the government, including Prime Minister, um, for the second, for the third time, midway through um, two, gov- two parliaments, if you want to call it that. So now you go out to the Conservative membership, which are two names, and they are Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. Rishi Sunak has the majority of those that are day-to-day politicians within Westminster, MPs, backbench MPs, junior ministers, ministers, the whole thing. So then you do this round of debates right around the country where you kind of present your ideas to the membership. The membership are invited to come into Birmingham or to Manchester or to wherever, to London, and to have their their kind of... The hustings. The hustings. That's what it is, the hustings. And these were televised, and they had televised debates as well. Persistently, consistently through these, Liz Truss was performing poorly. Yeah. She's, she's very she, wooden. She's yeah. very... Her delivery is... She's sort Poor. of Ender Kenny-esque. Oh, God, she'd be... He, yeah. he, he'd be... But she doesn't have the right tone ahead. or inclination, you know, to sort of speak properly. She, she might be trying to get a point across, but the tone of how she's saying it doesn't correspond with... A very poor communicator. Wouldn't you say that um, the Prime Minister prior to Boris Johnson, who was our friend... Theresa May. She would be a much stronger female character than even Liz Truss now. Almost definitely. Like, again, she might have suffered from some of the same, but not as bad as her. She quite could be wooden in, in, in presentation as well, Theresa But not, as, ba- which, not which, as bad. Which, you knew she was... Um, she came on to the party conference, I think, to Dancing Queen one year. She did, yeah. You know? A very awkward dance yeah. to that ABBA number. It's, yeah. it's dynamite to using yeah. these kind of contemporary songs at party conferences and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Ability-wise, I, I, I would say Theresa May way ahead. Of Liz Truss, and we can talk about this Liz Truss thing. But um, and delivery-wise, again, in fairness, way ahead. While she would be limited, the great communicator that is Boris Johnson, or the great communicator that is Tony Blair, or the great communicator of a time that was David Cameron, um, they would be a lot weaker, most definitely, um, May and Liz Truss. But Liz Truss, particularly awful, I would have to say, as a communicator or as a as as, as a leader or as as a communicating leader. That yeah, I remember in previous shows when, when Theresa May was um, was at the reins, we used to speak quite positively yeah. about her in the way she used to, how do you say, carry on as a as a stateswoman. And yeah, no, she had that. She had stateswoman like yes, abilities, she and, and she stuck with her talent. And there was a, 
it's difficult in politics, but you could, she transmitted a certain honesty, might be incorrect or she might be wrong, but she transmitted a certain honesty. You don't get that sense with Truss or the people that Truss now surrounds herself in her cabinet. You don't get a sense that she's honest. Would, would you also say that realistically, I mean, the Conservative Party would possibly struggle to get into government today if there was an election? That the only reason that they're there is because of the, the kind of the Russian roulette of the best men or women standing left on the ship oh, yeah. to, 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 what to, to actually steer it. Well, see, Paul, you've always alluded to the fact that the whole thing with Brexit isn't about the UK. It's about the Tory party. Mm. And this is where it's all about the Tory party and sort of a bit like, you know, they have rises and falls and, you know, who's popular and who, who's not. Like we say, as of uh, today on Thursday... The former culture uh, secretary tells the prime minister to you turn or face election wipeout in an interview with the Times. That's Nadine Doris. Nadine Doris. Okay. Now, that's interesting because she herself, um, who was the other, Jacob Rees-Mogg and herself, outgoing members of Boris Johnson's cabinet. Mogg had said that I will never serve in another cabinet because they knew these people knew that, you know, they, they were headbangers. Nadine Doris extremely bad secretary of state for culture, but they were very early to come out and support um, Liz Truss again in those earlier battles within the five MPs looking for to get onto the final two they came out very early to support her Mog is still in the cabinet elevated now to business secretary Doris is up, apparently going to the House of Lords um, didn't want to serve so um, those people were supporting her from a very early point with a view to kind of saying you know what can we get out of this what agenda can we kind of um, push by supporting Liz Truss. There is a real sense, whether it's from the far right or, 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 or lessers, that she's a kind of a vassal politician, that, you know, that she has been taken over. <laughs> but, you know, she's very ideological, there's no doubt about that. Um, she has been at some stage taken over and she has shifted to whatever it is she feels will be of benefit to her. You know, she was originally a Remainer. Now she's an arch-Brexiteer at this stage. Um, she was originally a Liberal Democrat. Now she's a right-wing Conservative. Yeah. She was originally a Republican, not a monarchist. You know, if you look back at some of her students. You know, so she does shift chameleon-like with the wind at any given time. So that's all very fine. But just the point you make there, I, I, I know I've made that point about it being the, 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 the remit of, of the Conservative Party rather than Brexit. And yes, I, I would agree. I would update that now at this point. That has been the case. But now you're running out of road. There's nothing left in the tank. You've scraped the bottom of the barrel. Now the serious stuff is starting to happen vis-a-vis the UK economy and the impact Brexit yeah, has we'll, actually we'll talk, had on we'll it. We'll talk a little bit about that and we'll say what uh, her new... Uh, not fi- finance uh, minister, what did it call Chancellor it? of the Exchequer. Of the Exchequer came out with it. But uh, uh, Nadine, anyway, arguing that Truss had made, uh, quote, some big mistakes since becoming Prime Minister, Doris said that the new government should not be abandoning the policies that voters supported when they elected Boris Johnson in 2019. She said, mm. quote, I understand that we need to... Re- Rocket booster growth, but you don't do that by throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You don't win elections by lurching to the right and deserting the centre ground for Keir Starmer to place his flag on. If we continue down this path, we absolutely will be facing a Stephen Harper type wipeout. I'm sure she's listened and will stop and rethink. Now, you've had a, a, a scenario uh, that the Tory conference has been ongoing in Birmingham, we'll say, for the week. 
and we said we've had uh, Benny Hill outside and all the rest of that. But uh, the whole thing has been like a, a bit of a cluster uh, in how it has sort of uh, gone gone on. And you have the likes of Grant Sharps coming out and, you know, basically saying she has 10 days. Mm. Yeah. It's like it's basically saying she's been in power for uh, 28 days. Right. Uh, 10 days of that were sort of taken up with the Queen dying. Queen's, and and, and, and we should probably uh, reference that a little bit in that she became prime minister uh, two or three days before the Queen died. And there's sort of a lot of people at the time <laughs> started thinking that... Uh, she killed the Queen. She, <laughs> the shock. A, she killed the Queen. But uh, that, that the Queen waited to die before Boris was gone. <laughs> because then Boris would have been do- doing everything. The second the, reading with, 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 at the funeral. At, at the funeral, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, so politics, we, we said she, she never... She hasn't had a chance. She's had no chance to get a bounce. A bounce mm. be the wrong term. But you know, we'll say when... If there's a new leader, there's a bit of hub-dub for a while. Yeah. The honeymoon. They talk about the honeymoon period. Yeah. Uh, And we say, so she come in, can't really do anything for 10 days because the UK is sort of shut down due to mourning for the Queen. Then she comes in and they sort of have this thing where you have the energy crisis. And she says, we're going to sort the energy crisis and all the rest of this. And then Kwesi Kwarteng... as they call it, kamikaze uh, mm, at, uh, this point. At, at this point comes out and they come out with say, what they call um, uh, an interim budget. Yeah. It's not the real budget. OK, and in that, if my reading of it is correct, Paul, they basically want to um, it looks as if they want to sort of get the rich richer. Yeah. Uh, and. There were, they said that there was about 47 billion euros worth of uh, packages in this budget. And the big one that the media focused on was um, they were going to reduce the 45p rate of tax down to 40. Now, in the scheme of things as to where money was going to be raised or where money was going to be thrown away, they have uh, come up with a version of an energy plan where they, I think, have committed about 60 odd billion. Mm, 65, I think it is. Yeah. To uh, basically help pay ESB bills, electric bills. Isn't that it? In in the sense that they're going to maintain the current level of profit that yeah. the energy companies yeah. but, will go she, through she for the next she, she said she won't tax them. She mm. will, you know, windfall. for a, a windfall tax, no. where basically if they're making excessive profits, yeah. she says she's not going to do that. So they've basically committed spending that amount of money there. And there's other bits and pieces that have come mm. out. And a 45 billion package, we'll say, mm. to sort of stimulate things, of which the cost of reducing the um, tax rate from 45, the top tax rate mm. from 45 to 40, is about 2 billion. Mm. So on a uh, accountancy point of view it's not a huge mm. sum of money mm. but they've got hammered for it but it was the straw that broke the camel's back to use that kind of old phrase you know it's sometimes it's a small thing like Albert Reynolds used to say yep. here the small things are those that trip you up the things that you don't anticipate you're dead right Luke the overall package is approximately 45 billion the reduction in the 45 to 40 percent tax rate for the higher paid um, is 2 billion and you've got to remember actually George Osborne um, as Chancellor of the Exchequer under David Cameron, moved that rate down from 50% to 40%. And okay, you're losing the 2 billion. But what you're doing there, there's a couple of things. The basis of making the, the budget balance, and again, you got one of the early things, just before even the Queen's funeral, they did get rid of. Liz Truss spoke a lot and quasi-quarteng during the... Um, 
as it became obvious that he was going to be Chancellor, they spoke a lot about the orthodoxy of the Treasury in, in the UK. The Treasury is the minist- Ministry for Finance that we would have here, our, minist- minist- our Ministry for Finance. That's the Treasury. So they talked about the orthodoxy. All this orthodox thinking was holding Britain back, holding the UK back. We can't have growth because of orthodox thinking. So the first thing they did when they were doing was got rid of the the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, a guy called Tom Scholar, a fellow who had seen Labour governments under Gordon Brown, Tony Blair had seen Conservative governments under Cameron May and Johnson and had been there in the Treasury for all those times and you know, had, had, had made a massive contribution to monetary and fiscal policy, or fiscal policy, not monetary policy, fiscal policy in the UK over a long period of time. So out the door, you're gone because you're, not, you're obviously not going to agree with us. The second thing they did then was they refused... We have it here as well, but the OBR, there's an Office for Budget um, Reportage or Responsibilities that present an analysis of any political moves. Like know, the, the CSO. We have a, budget, we have a fiscal yeah. prudence council or something like that as well. Um, they're a statutory body um, and they present, you know, because politics, you know, it's like if politicians, they will always go with the easy option and if you can spend money you will spend money so you need some kind of a break you need some kind of a of, of, of a body that will kind of offer an alter, offer an opinion on what it is that you're choosing to do so again they said no we don't want your report on this budget this 45 billion euro budget we're going to go with this so they went with that and like the 2 billion the, the tax cut it's just the optics of that and politics is often about feeling and it's about presentation and it's about optics whatever about the substance of the things and that was the optics then were dreadful for the reason you outlined that this trickle-down economics will we'll take care of the rich and the poor can hope for the best and it'll trickle down to them. That's the way it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Even the rich, even those people that would have benefited from that to the tune of maybe 50,000 a year on a billion or, or on a million salary, they were even saying, this is silly. This makes no sense. Because of that other 42 billion, how are you going to make that... How are you going to make that work? You know, we, you, your income is, is reducing because of Brexit. Um, so it's going to have to be borrowing. So then... You're talking about the other 40 billion. What happens there? How do we do that? And this is what's coming down the tracks now. The only other way to make that work is through spending cuts and pretty severe, pretty severe spending cuts. If you're talking of somewhere between 15 and 30 billion, if that's what you're talking about in spending cuts, well, that means, you know, the NHS, education, defence spending. And they've made commitments during this process um, so of election about defence spending. Huge, <laughs> to, to huge, 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 huge commitments. Yeah. So all these things are now coming under the crosshairs to make this budget work and to create that confidence. You talked at the very start, Luke, about terms and conditions may have changed. That's what you, that's the, the, the byline you used at the start of this. Well, you see, that's the nature of the budgets, terms and conditions that you present, how it is that you're going to run or present an economy. And I'm afraid the way this has been presented, and even as late as the, 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 some of the speeches yesterday at, at the conference by Liz Truss and by Kwasi Kwarteng earlier in the week, you know, there's no detail. There, there's an ideology um, but there's no detail, there's no um, expressed um, concept of what type of economy and consequently society are we going to have in the UK. It's just kind of buzzwords, you know, trickle down, cut the tax 45 to 40, um, growth, growth, growth. Um, you're either yeah. growth now, you're either, uh, yesterday's one, you're either pro-growth or anti-growth. You know, you're trying to create this culture war around it. It looks like, very, it looks like these people that believe hugely in their own ability don't want any supervision or any alternative um, presented to them. 
and that they don't really seem capable of the job. They don't yeah. seem capable. Th- there's a little bit of a line that basically the talent has ran out, you know, and yeah. sort of like the, say, the, the idea is that you're the there. They've been, in the power. They've been in power for 12 years and you sort of going, you know. It's uh, very reminiscent of John Major's final government for older listeners from 92 to 97. You know, you had Margaret Thatcher from 79 to 1990. Yeah. John Major then, he won an election against the odds in 1992. So he had obviously political cojones. Yeah. He did great work in Northern Ireland with Albert Reynolds and Dick Spring. But that government was dreadful from 92 to 97. It was scandal after scandal. scandal yeah. It was back to basic values. It was one of their catchphrases and they were all just having affairs. Who, and who, who, every sort who of was our... Was Tom, I'll get you in here. Who was our man with the, the Celtic, uh, the Chelsea jersey? Um, uh, da- had, David, had, he was a minister, yeah. What was, had, um, had an affair. With the glasses, yeah. Chelsea. Oh, what was that guy's name? I know, I can see him. Yeah, I can't yeah, see his name, but I can see him. Come around to him. But you, you talk about... Um, uh, growth and uh, Keir Starmer has ridiculed Liz Truss's claims in her conference speech, uh, which happened on Wednesday, uh, uh, and said that la- where she said that Labour was part of an anti-growth coalition. This yeah, this, this line that they're coming coalition. out, you know, uh, and he said, "quote For heaven's sake, the enemies of growth." She's just passed a kamikaze mini budget which has lost control of the economy, is putting hundreds of pounds on people's mortgage bills. That is the absolute opposite of a plan for growth. She's not just anti-growth, she's the destroyer of it. Mm. You know, and this is the whole thing where, as you said, growth, 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 growth. How are they going to do it? And part of it, I'd say how they're going to pay for it is basically cut, cut, cut. Mm. This is it. Tom. Yeah. I suppose from a point of view of hard times, I mean, they've had a captain at the ship or at the at the helm that's been a bluffer for God knows how many years. Um, he's used loads of wonderful phrases and terminology. And like Paul says, the optics is so important, whether it's positive or negative. And all these different uh, descriptions of Liz Truss now. Um, certainly are going to torpedo her her ambitions big time when you have you know people of uh, how do you say of um, credence and and commentators coming out with all these different you know that have great experience that are coming out with all these different um, descriptions of her (coughs) and her policy and the budget and there doesn't seem to be a clear substance to what they're, as I say, it's all very well saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that, whatever. But if there's no, if there's no kind of plan behind it, that it's, it's bound to fail. And yeah. I think the people in the UK have seen this, and the commentators have seen this. I mean, I can't ever imagine a new leader coming in to a position <laughs> and being so lambasted for her initial or their initial. Um, I don't know plans mm. you know there's always as you say there's always a honeymoon period yeah, of, uh, but this is, seems to have kind of the plane just about to take off the runway and then it crashes again <laughs> absolutely well you see you get uh, as you talk there Thomas you, uh, the optics are the feeling and that's what politics maybe it's not correct that it should be like that but it is it's an important concept or it's an important way of doing things You'd, in 1997 at the end when that Tory um 17, 18 year government, three or four governments kind of finally went out. You had the first Blair Brown government in 1997. One of the first things they did initially was to take monetary policy away from the Treasury and give that independence to the Bank of England. And that just delivered this message or this feeling. These are serious people. They've come up with a really significant concept that they're not in charge of everything, that they're happy to have independent or they're happy to have an alternative um, body with an independence working as well. 
Um, only for the fact that they still had that independence two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They had to come in and save British pensions to the tune of 65 billion. They had to save the British pound. They had to intervene in the market. You know, only for that, you could have had an absolute meltdown. Now, if they had continued, if they had, we'll say, if they didn't have their independence that they got in 1997, if they were still under the um, auspices of the Treasury, the Bank of England, including Mark Carney there that you, that you played earlier, Luke, as a, as, a for, as, as a former governor, if they were still under quasi-Quartengs and Liz Truss's influence, I mean, like, would they have said two weeks ago, no, you can't, you can't support the pensions of the UK, you can't support the pound because this is our ideology. Now, there was, a, like, they're trying to protect the UK um, from what might seem to be, and the more we go on, it's becoming more obvious that there's an excessive ideological busted up type of government in place here for whatever reason we don't know yet um you might suspect it's about breaking up the whole society that you can actually have a kind of a disaster capitalism scenario whereby they start selling off parts of their health service or selling off parts of their education service or their infrastructure or their defense whatever it actually is that would be the kind of worst case scenario you might be dealing but with like the, but who the, knows the, we'll the, see yeah the the argument with that, Paul, is, and this is where, now, again, uh, I, I don't want to be, um, you know, creating mountains out of molehills, but it's sort of the sceptic in you would sort of say, if you read um, any bit, and not that you're reading from the left or the right, if you're trying to look at fair, sort of half-balanced journalism. Mm. Which there, is more and more difficult. Which is, in which this is hard to do, because, yeah. you know, it's it like you're either left or right. But, mm. like, there was an insinuation before this started that... Um, Quartang had met with people that were sort of, you know, uh, some of the people that might have supported Liz Truss along the way, that there was this sort of thing simmering in the background that mm. people had charted the pound. Yeah. And, you know, before these policies were announced, announced mm. and that they made an absolute fortune out yeah. of it and that this might have been sort of... I, could it be this was done as a favour to people that would be sort of Tory donors? Well, possibly because the most significant Tory donor who um, has contributed both to Brexit and to the Conservative Party is a man called Crispin O'Day. Crispin O'Day is a hedge fund manager, one of the most successful hedge fund managers in the UK. And one of his former employees is Quasi Quarteng, the yeah. um, economic historian with his PhD and now the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Quasi Quarteng did host a dinner with a lot of these people just around the time of the budget. So I don't know, like, like the old thing, yeah. it's quacking, it's yeah. walking, it's swimming, it's talking. Yeah. It possibly could and be. The, the optics aren't good. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, but, you, uh, yeah, but you talk there, uh, Luke, I, I just I wonder, are we moving away from the left and right? We, they're we're the, going they're, to extremes. They're the prisms that we've used yeah. to, to deliver politics. But I just think the foundation, and it's Keir Starmer actually used this as well in his, I think it was one of his, big contributions earlier in the summer, not at his conference just two weeks ago, he talked about growth, growth, growth. Again, he used growth three times, growth, growth, growth. Liz Truss used growth, 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 growth three times as well. She again, it's not left and right, like I said, it's now growth versus anti-growth. That's the way she tried to, that's how she is trying to shape the battlefield for politics. So I think it's well worthwhile that people start to analyse this whole concept of economic growth and what it is that economic growth actually yeah. is. If, if you know, because Truss and her people, or lots of people around the world, they say it, 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 spins, it spills off the tongue, but they don't actually explain what, how is that growth to be achieved. Yeah, if we're to try and compare um, some of the politics in the UK with sort of some of the crack that has gone on in the States over the last number of years... Um, 
there has been this sort of uh, overriding sort of mood music that basically the Tories want to sell off the NHS to privatise it. So that, and that they go to a more American model with mm. regards to healthcare, where you have to pay for everything yeah. and you have to have insurance. And this is all going to the fact that we said the rich will get richer. Uh, you know, people will probably be employed by these companies or there will be shareholders in the companies and they'll make a load of money off it. And it's all OK, lads, because they're all sort of uh, donors to the Tory party. Whereas the Labour way of thinking is, you know, that the, like uh, uh, Keir Starmer, you, you alluded to Keir Starmer there. And we don't have any great quotes from uh, the Labour conference that happened the week before. Um, but it was actually, I'd say they had a good conference. There was no major controversy. Mm -hmm. And Starmer, who, uh, he, he doesn't, I won't say he doesn't inspire huge confidence, but he's a little bit boring, is mm -hmm. how he looks at it. Now, he, he could destroy Boris Johnson at Prime Minister's yes. questions but, with yeah. facts. Yes. But, but he doesn't have Boris's sort of um, charisma. Yeah. Okay, but he didn't make any mistakes. And I, 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 I alluded to Enda Kenny earlier mm. on, and I, I think in a way that... Um, this will be a scenario where in the UK, they're two years out from an election. Yeah. OK, at best. And I'd say there's part of the, some of the Tory people would want to keep it at two years because they sort of if you're looking at the polls that came out last week, they're anywhere between 20 and 33 percent down. Yeah. And they're, the worst estimate was that the Tories could go from having 370 odd seats at the minute down to about 80. Yeah. Right now, that that probably won't happen when it comes to the election because there'll all be a bit of give and take and all, all the rest of mm. that. But they would certainly be facing what would be like a ninety seven esque yeah. um, sort of landslide for Labour. Landslide for Labour, you know. Whereas we were talking before the summer uh, that okay, Labour have a shot at the next time around, but you know they might have to go in with the Lib Dems. Yeah, this is the big danger. If you look at the polls and they're becoming, they were pretty consistent for the last two weeks. Labour yeah. were up as far as 50%. There was one outlier with them at 60%. Yeah. The Tories were down at the kind of low to mid 20s. That's where they were. And the biggest danger now is that, and it has happened them often before, it happened in 1997, that they lose that element of progressive politics, the, the element that they used in the Somerset by-election and the other by-election where they recognise that um, they have to be progressive in how it is that they deal with other parties, the Liberal Democrats, the Scottish National Party, the Green Party, if they want to have substantial change in the electoral map that is England. Because make no mistake, Labour, will, look, they could get sucked into this kind of dangerous territory now, we're fine now, we're fine, we'll just work, we'll just work away. But there's going to be such a mess such a mess left of the UK economy and society that any government that goes in for five years, if they get the five years, will be absolutely torn asunder at the end of that five years. So if they take their eye off the ball of electoral, um, what's the word, electoral change or electoral modifying or changing their system or looking for that progressive alliances with the other parties. If they take their eye off that ball now under the false assumption that they're sorted, they're on 50%, yeah. you put the Tories down to 100, 150 and we're okay, it would be dangerous. If they want to do something substantial for a long period of time, um, they have to maintain and sustain that progressive attitude towards yeah. the other political and, parties. And, and the, the question that I would put to you is, 
if that's how it and, and again look we're two years out an awful lot could sort of change be, between here and then and chances are it will but you said A the question is how are they going to pay for it because Labour will say would be more inclined like I, I know Starmer alluded to the fact that he, I think he wants to re-nationalise the train yeah, uh, you know, it says network. that when contracts uh, expire, uh, that he wants to renationalise it, and you know, he they want to put more money into the NHS, and they want to sort of invest in sort mm. of public service. Yeah, and the question would be is that you know how how do you raise money for that? It's obviously through taxes or, or all yeah. the rest of that. But you said, uh, you know, if you don't have growth, 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 as the man okay. says, you, you know, you're you're heading back towards sort of the you know. You're heading back to where we were 10, 12 okay. years ago. Well, well, okay, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it out now. I might just kind of dovetail in nicely to what I'm hope, trying, going to try and say. Um, you'll have the old tropes that will be used. Oh, Labour are a party of tax and spend, tax and spend. You know, that's what you'll get now coming from the Conservatives if it moves away from this growth, anti-growth. So then you've got to look at it. If, if it's going to be done on the terms of growth, anti-growth, so they're trying to create a difference, and who can come up with a different manifesto to win an election? Well, then you've got to look at growth itself. What is growth? How do you define growth? You know, it's very specific at the moment. We've experienced it here in Ireland ourselves. I don't know if you remember there about three or four, five, six years ago, we had this crazy growth one year. We, our growth went up by 25%. Oh, is that where the stats were? It's because the way the amended. multinationals booked yes. their profits. It meant nothing to Thomas Botcher, Luke Fleming or Paul Bogler. It didn't change your life in one bit. So growth as your kind of foundation for an economy in how it is that it's um, defined is totally, I think, out of date. And I was just looking at this, and there's a really interesting piece from the 1960s and from America, from Robert Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's brother, who was attorney general and who was going to be, try to become president of America in 1968. He talked about growth at that time. There's a kind of an incongru- incongruity here about this whole economic model using growth as your absolute cornerstone. He talked about, if you bear with me for a minute on this, gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special looks for our doors and the jails for the people who lock break them. It counts the destruction of the redwood and the loss of our natural wonder in chaotic sprawl. It counts napalm and counts nuclear warheads and armoured cars for the police to fight the riots in our cities. It counts Whitman's rifle and Speck's knife and the television programmes which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. And it can tell us everything about America, except why we are proud that we are Americans. If this is true here at home, so it is true elsewhere in the world. Kennedy was trying to get at this thing. We live in a world, whether we're UK or the US or the EU, and we're using growth, 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 anti-growth, growth, as our kind of basis for any kind of societal development or economic development. And the most basic thing there is that it's a finite planet. There's a finite set of resources. So by definition, you can't go on forever experiencing growth. So how we define growth has, I think, has to be broadened out to those things that Kennedy was talking about 50 years ago, 60 years ago. You know, that's how you have to start. And again, no more so than the, the optics or the mood music or the feeling. It's not a huge hurdle to overcome, to redefine economically what growth actually is. And I think that's the ground 
that the Keir Starmers or the progressive politics, if you want to call it that, the people that are moving away from trickle-down economics that we've seen here with the Tory government, if you start to tease out and work on those ideas, I think you can come to a very significant political model for the future. And because fighting the ground on the growth versus anti-growth, what is growth, you know, it's, 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 it's a zero-sum game, I think. You have to anyway. defi- you have to definition of we'll say what what is your where what's your base marker because is it two thousand and nineteen or is it two thousand and twenty two because if you said from two thousand and nineteen oh, sure. if you're trying to grow from when things were normal in the world versus yeah. you know we we'll say if you start say twenty twenty two compared to twenty twenty when everybody went mm-hmm. and everything went down off a cliff and say oh we're doing three percent better than twenty twenty that's the point that's if, growth if, growth if, growth if, but if it's fifteen percent yeah. worse than two thousand nineteen this is the kind of ridiculous nature of that economic model if 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 trust and quartang destroy for some reason, the UK economy between now and, we'll say, six months before the UK election, and they bring it to its knees. You have people on the streets, you have no food, you have, you have whatever. And then suddenly, for six months, you start to have this phenomenal growth, you know, 10% a month because you've come from such a low base. Well, I mean, like then your, your metric is, oh, look at the great growth we achieved. But what did you do to achieve that growth in the first place? You know, this is the nature of how as our economies evolve, especially in Western Europe. We have grown over a kind of a period. We've grown on the backs of, on, on, on the back of colonialism. We've grown on exploitation of resources. And, and, we, and we're plateaued when it comes to growth, if we want to use growth now as a thing that makes us feel good. Whereas, you know, developing economies, whether it's Africa or Southeast Asia or South America, their, their base is so much lower. So, yeah, of course they're going to have significant growth figures. And we might look enviously at Russia before all this with Ukraine or look enviously at China or look enviously at Brazil or India. But yeah, they're starting from a low point. So their, their, their headline figure, 10% a year, 12% a year and 8% a year, sounds great. But you're coming from a different point. And if we continue to use that metric in that way, it's a fool's game, really. I think it's very interesting what Paul has just said. And uh, I just say in, inspiring in lots of ways. John F. Kennedy, was it? Robert. Robert brother, Kennedy. Brother, yeah, Very yeah, intelligent brother. man. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. they actually get that. It would get that over in the UK. Um, but yeah. uh, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the time of the Irish boom. Mm. And when you were out in company socialising, and unless you were in the conversation of, oh, I'm buying an apartment or I'm going to <laughs> yeah. invest in it. In, in Bulgaria, in, Tom, in, in, in Bulgaria. It could have been even closer to home, yeah. not just even in Bulgaria, but Bulgaria was one. I mean, I remember there was even, uh, I think, lads going off and investing in apartments in India, oh, yeah. even. And it was, but the thing was, you weren't uh, made feel a part of the conversation oh, unless you could contribute to saying, oh, well, I'm investing in yeah. a second house in Limerick or in Ennis, mm. that this became the, the, the kind of the, the consensus. This was growth. This yeah. was the way of of bringing life to an optimal kind of, yeah. oh God, this was it. And it, it's funny, from the, from the very beginning of this show, you mentioned one of the speakers in the audio and he mentioned about Manchester and what the government did for the hospitality. Mm. And they did absolutely nothing for hospitality. In fairness to the Irish government, when things were bad, they changed the VAT rate mm-hmm. from 13.5% yeah. down to 9%. Nine, percent, yeah. And that made a massive, massive difference in keeping businesses going, both the restaurants and takeaways and anything, hotels. That 4.5% was a big, was a huge thing. But that was the, that was the catalyst 
to provide stability and to provide um, people with their jobs or to keep yeah. their jobs. But that four and a half, but that was a very, very constructive measure that, at the time. It's an interesting, if you take that, take that four and a half percent, right? So it's it's approximate to the, we'd say the UK, um, 5% going from 40% to 45%. But in this case, it's four and a half percent, 13 and a half down to nine. But the, 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 when you cut the income tax, that's people's personal money. It doesn't tend to have the same effect. It's a personal thing. Whereas you cut something like that, like that, that's where people are spending money, purchasing a service, purchasing something. That's where it can have, from a society abroad or thing, it can have much more of an impact. It helps your business. You know, it helps the person feel they're getting more value. So that's where targeted tax changes can have a big impact Massive. and a big effect. Whereas kind of individualizing it, putting it to the person, doesn't have the same societal impact. Most definitely not. That's a that's a good example, Thomas. That's a good yeah, example. Yeah, no, it's, it's as I said from a from a I suppose from a political, economical, creative point of view, that was one of the best things yeah. the government ever did yeah. when we were actually struggling because everyone could get the benefit of yeah. it. Yeah. Whether you were, a, a, how do you say, you know what I mean, a fast roller or the lad in the street, he could go in. And basically, well, you see, the thing with that one is you're spending it there. It's it's a trickle up. You yes, know, it, has, it starts from the bottom down because ten VAT receipts. If you look at the VAT, if you look at the tax take for Ireland or for any country, VAT is where you know a lot of people mightn't be availing of income tax reliefs or whatever, but people are spending a few quid, dependent on what they have. But so VAT relief, it definitely trickles up and has much more of an impact in a positive way than what Across the board, trickling definitely. down or yeah, people yeah. expect us to well, we, down. We might come back to that a little bit in part two of the show when we'll come back to our own uh, part of the, the planet uh, in, in Ireland. We've about five minutes left yeah. for this bit, Paul. Uh, any other thoughts on how things are in the UK? Well, just as Thomas was talking there about Mike Pickering and back to Manchester, um, it just struck me yesterday when I saw that it came in and my it came in, in my feed yesterday morning. Moving on up is going to be the music. I said, "What?" That I first I thought it was Primal Scream, Scream Adelica. I don't know if you know that Bobby mm-hmm. Gillespie, and then. Um, I started listening to M People and to actually Screamadelica last night. While I, I have to say, M, you could hear it there. Heather Small's voice is something else. It really, she is a fabulous, fabulous singer. Interestingly, her son was elected as a Labour County Councillor in the May um, local elections in um, the UK. And it's funny, I got to see M People back in the day in the stadium up in Dublin, in the boxing stadium. And I remember they were described at the time as the perfect pop band. Yeah. When it came to their their music, their lyrics, and their lead singer Heather Small, Heather, because she was a fantastic, brilliant voice. She's brilliant voice. There's a depth in her voice that's just brilliant. I think we should play a bit of their music. There, Luke. For um, yeah. uh, would you go with Ichiku Park? Uh, <laughs> it's a small face. It's a cover, but I really like it. It's a great cover. Great cover. Yeah, it's yeah. a brilliant cover. Right. Well, we'll, we'll fi- <laughs> we will finish up this show with Ichiku Ichiku Park. But uh, uh, she she's been there for whatever a month now. Uh, are you going to give her another <laughs> ten days? Will Liz survive? In Liz we trust, in or Liz don't we? we? Trust. Yeah, Fizz with Liz. Um, or will a, she survive? A, a trust or if uh, <sighs> UCK is how I heard <laughs> yeah, the, the budget right. uh, described as. I, I heard an interview with her on Bristol Radio uh, the other night, and the, the what's it called the presenter cut her to shreds, yeah. and she just literally didn't seem to know what to say, yeah. which way to turn, rabbit in the headlights. 
I think she's on very dodgy ground. That's a point I meant to say. Um, Thomas just reminded me there again. Now, in, in the midst of the maelstrom of the budget, she went to ground. Nobody could get in touch with her for, I think, about three or four days. Her communications advisors um, came up with the kind of media plan that she would do regional radio, not the BBC, not the Today programme with Nick Robinson or all these people, or not Newsnight. She'd do the regional stations. She'd do BBC Bristol, BBC Leeds, yes, BBC right. Norfolk. Four or five minutes with all the yeah, four or five stations, minutes, yeah. ten or twelve of those. So the, the, the kind of concept or the idea was, well, this is going to be a lot easier because they're oiks from the country and they won't be... They ripped her to shreds. They ripped her to shreds. They were so good, those presenters. And it just struck me, you know, no more so than we're a level down evil from <laughs> community radio. But, you know, if you seek out, you know, we have it here in Scarif Bay Community Radio with various programmes and various kind of abilities that are here. If, you know, don't always look at the kind of the, the, the centralised model for, for quality and for ability. It's there in front of your eyes, maybe on your own doorstep. Will she survive, Luke? It would be really difficult to see how the... Conservative Party could oust her and now put in somebody else. It would be really difficult. But my predictions in politics are invariably wrong. Could be, could be more than the Benny Hill team tune if, they, if that happens. Uh, uh, I suppose we'd be getting out uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen. Another one bites to dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the only thing maybe, well, like the men, in the, the famous men in the grey suits that used to exist at one time in the Tory party and came to have a quiet word late at night. You have to go. Well, I can't see her doing that. Well, she Gra- is Graham, so Graham stuck Brady in her ways. Uh, did go and have a chat with her basically before they the had the about the turn. Yes, of the twenty-two her. committee. You know that they had people that went to talk to her and sort of said, uh, "You might want to settle down a little bit here now and change these things around." But I said, "Look." Yeah. Uh, I I, pre- I presume uh, we'll probably reassemble in a month uh, to talk about uh, English politics, but uh, we'll finish up this part of the show with a bit of Ichiku Park from M People. So thank you very much, and we'll be back shortly.